Liza Casabona. I'm the managing editor of Retail Dive. For those of you familiar with our previous podcast, Conversational Commerce, we've revamped things to focus on the trends and stories, driving change, and disrupting the industry. We put a lot of thought into identifying the critical industry trends we bring you. The Backroom, the new podcast, will be your window into what goes on behind the scenes. What you read on our site is only part of the story. Our reporters and editors are constantly researching, reading, and talking about the retail industry. Here's a peek behind the curtain to what we are discussing in our newsroom. Welcome to the back room. But first, a word from our sponsor. Email marketing alone just isn't enough anymore. Shoppers are looking for a more personalized experience that goes beyond what any single channel can do. Luckily, there's OmniSend to help unify your channels under one roof. With OmniSend, you can finally graduate from a channel-centric approach to a customer-centric strategy. Keep your customers' data centralized in one place and create automated messages that adapt to your customers' purchase journey. Join thousands of other high-growth e-commerce marketers that upgraded to OmniSend from their generic email marketing tools and engage your customers with relevant messages across all their preferred channels. Hey guys, welcome to Retail Dives Podcast. This is Kara Salpini. I'm an editor with the publication. I'm here with Karin Vembar. Hello. She's another editor with our publication and Daphne Howland. Hello. Daphne, so we wanted to talk about your latest story on Nordstrom's anniversary sale and the loyalty program. So what are what were some of the sort of um, main points from your from your story on that sale? Well, I have to say this is something that Karen noticed. Um, There's a little bit of a blow up on Twitter. And it was a surprise because Nordstrom's anniversary sale is something that people really look forward to. It's super popular. The buzz is usually only positive And people were getting annoyed really before it had it had even started. Yeah. And Karen, um, do you want to talk a little bit about what you were sort of seeing on Twitter? Because like I follow loyalty programs and I was not on top of it, but you like immediately sort of picked up on this energy that was going on. Well, there usually is with any type of retail, some people complaining about various things. And it's always like low hum of people being like, I had to get my stuff or I had an idea about this, but it didn't happen or whatever. But specifically with the Nordstrom sale, people were really excited. And then there was a pattern in the tweets that I was seeing of people ordering things and then those orders getting canceled really quickly or people being really excited that they were able to get the items that they wanted only to find out like a week later that it wasn't going to be delivered. And so there was this kind of this buzz where it everyone was saying a version of the same thing. And when that's going on, it tells me that there's a larger issue happening. Yeah, definitely. And Daphne, do you want to talk a little bit just about sort of what some of the people that you talked to for that story were saying about about how this sort of reflects on the loyalty program and what sort of some of the problems are that that Nordstrom has to address here? Yeah, so this is sort of going back to something that a lot of retailers are doing, including a bunch of department stores like Macy's. It's not just Nordstrom. And that is making some pretty significant changes to their loyalty programs to try to make them more meaningful to people. I think we've all signed up for loyalty programs that seem like you spend and you spend and you get points and nothing ever happens. And so they wanted, they wanted to make those things really count, especially for people who spend a lot of money at Nordstrom. And they have a couple of tiers, which is what they did. They split up this new Nordy club into three or four tiers. And 
the icon status, in fact, is invitation only in probably $10,000 a year or something that people spend at Nordstrom. It stands to reason that you'd want to give those kind of high spending customers some perks and a special access to your sale. But I think there was sort of a first class coach problem coming. There were cordoned off areas and stores where people couldn't even pay full price for certain items. That's actually something I found out after my story ran because the buzz really didn't quiet down much for days. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think to me, like, it sounds like a really good idea to give, you know, your best customers early access to a sale, but you're really kind of shooting yourself in the foot if customers who are also loyalty members, but not as high up status wise, then don't have anything left to shop or they think they've secured an item and then they don't receive it. Or yeah, you're sort of isolating the customers in the store who are trying to to make purchases and can't get anything for them, you know? And it seemed, I think you you touched on this in your story a little bit as well, but it seemed like there's a pretty substantial gap between some of these tiers. Like one of the tiers I think is $500 a year. And, and to get one up from that, you have to spend $2,000 a year, which is significantly more for, for the benefits that they're receiving. So then um, as uh, one of my sources, a woman named Tamai Sardari, who's a professor of marketing and branding at University Stern School, she was saying the problem with the way things are set up is that it's not clear, is this a like a promotional sale where you're just getting good deals on stuff? Or is it actually a style event that is meaningful for someone who wants access to certain items? And it sounded to her like Nordstrom hadn't really answered that question. For an effort meant to inject meaning into a loyalty program, it's sort of doing the opposite. Well, and another thing that I noticed when I was editing this story was I was reading the language of the different tiers and trying to understand, like you were talking about, Daphne, the benefits for each one and then what each one meant. And I remember having to read it over and over again as an outsider being like, I'm a little confused about this, but I know some of the language that was used within the tier that was really confusing for um, the public in general was the idea of the influencer. And people on Twitter were saying, why do influencers get to shop? They were thinking like, why do these Instagram people get to have access to this, to this special time of shopping, um, but I can't and I'm a member. And so Daphne, can you talk just a little bit about that language around influencer? It definitely did not help that they named one of their tiers influencers. So people saw that and just it just added to that feeling of unfairness. There was this whole other thing, which is that some of the tiers were split up according to how much you spend spend in a year. And cardholders are also considered part of the loyalty program, but cardholders were sort of almost demoted. So you can be this longtime loyalty member at Nordstrom and a cardholder member holding that Nordy card and kind of lost some of your clout. You know, Nordstrom makes a lot of money from those cards. It's probably adds up to for some people, way more than a prime membership. 
Sure. And if you're a loyalty member, or like you said, you know, you hold their card, you don't want to necessarily be told that you have to spend a certain amount of money with Nordstrom to be, you know, worthwhile anymore. And I think this was something that just reading through your story, Daphne, I thought was really interesting. But it was this whole point that you're kind of isolating yourself a little bit if you're Nordstrom by betting big on these really huge spenders instead of paying attention to sort of some of the the lower tiers, so to speak, in the loyalty program. So yeah, you're giving these quote influencers really big benefits in this anniversary sale, but everyone else who's a member of the loyalty program is feeling left out and is feeling like, why do I even have this membership if I'm not getting a benefit for your biggest sale of the year? And, and I think you mentioned as well, Daphne, don't they consider this like one of their biggest times of year, bigger even than the holidays? Oh, yeah. Executives were saying whenever they report out the quarter that includes the anniversary sale, which can depend on where it lands, but it basically rivals their holiday period. Yeah. And so that's a huge period of time to not be really catering to your full loyalty base. And, you know, if you're trying to create a loyalty program where everyone sort of wants to come back and shop with you more frequently, that's a, it's a pretty big mess up to, to have your most loyal members feeling left out during your biggest sale of the year. Well, and part of this is that People love this brand so much that, you know, that frustration is born of this like identification with the brand that I was hoping that they would catapult into a really fantastic experience. And Nordstrom needs these sales right now. They needed a really big win. And going forward and making sure your most loyal brand advocates are excited about the thing that you want them to be excited about seems like it would be kind of foremost of of the strategy around how to really leverage the sale. It's really true, Karen. I mean, UBS dealt Nordstrom up pretty much a blow a few weeks ago. They called Nordstrom a no-growth retailer and their loyalty program came into play in their argument. It's really interesting to me that Nordstrom committed this sort of crude mistake because it's a retailer who's been really at the forefront of technology and innovation in a lot of ways. And the opportunities with even a tiered loyalty, you know, however they structure it, which sounds like their tiers might need a little bit more refining after this, but the opportunities for personalization and rewarding people at any tier based on the information that they've been able to collect in this day and age, based on their past preferences or even communications that they have with each customer. I mean, you could have an anniversary sale that's dedicated to a loyalty member based on when they signed up. It's possible with today's technology. And yet the first anniversary sale after the debut of Nordic Club ended up being this sort of crude cordoning off of store areas and inventory sellouts just didn't seem of the time. I remember also in your piece, you talked a little bit, I forget who the source was, but someone mentioned that it sort of just seems like Nordstrom did not prepare for the amount of demand, which seems really surprising, considering that, again, this is like the biggest sort of sale of the year. And yet when the time came for it, they were not ready for the level of orders from their most loyal members. 
yeah, that you're talking about Ya Bing Chu, who is at a loyalty platform called Formation. And um, it's not surprising that he would suggest that maybe Nordstrom's experience and any level of tech prowess that if they don't have, they should, should allow them to predict the demand for their sale. It's a good problem, he was saying, that so many people wanted to shop the sale. It's a bad problem when you run out of inventory. And this stuff all happened before the day of the actual technical official start of the sale. Yeah. And I think there's been sort of evidence in the industry as a whole that loyalty programs are super important right now. And especially like related to Nordstrom, a lot of retailers are focusing on these more experiential benefits, benefits that that aren't just, you know, $10 off or 15% off on X weekend. A lot of them are focusing on VIP access, like the early access to sales that Nordstrom had, birthday perks, like that kind of that kind of thing is is becoming a lot more popular now. So I think in terms of that, it's almost more significant that Nordstrom kind of messed up here because other retailers are also stepping up their game and sort of offering these alternatives and, and trying to get people to shop in that way. I know Macy's is one of the other department stores who revamped their loyalty program lately. It's definitely becoming more of a trend in in other spaces as well. And I know we talk a lot about Sephora and Ulta being sort of like the standard in terms of loyalty programs with offering different levels, but also increasing the benefits. Like they don't usually pull back on any benefits. Um, Whenever we hear about them, they're adding something else for their members or they're adding an additional sort of perk. Um, And people, people love shopping at those stores for the rewards that they receive. But any last thoughts sort of on Nordstrom's anniversary sale, on the loyalty program, on what it sort of means that this hasn't gone so well or hasn't gotten off to a great start? Yeah, I mean, Kara, I think what you're talking about is the the shift is really toward a more of an emotional bond between a retailer and its biggest fans, taking away that transactional aspect where you buy this much and so you earn this many points. Nordstrom was dealing with big dollars. And, you know, as I said before, I don't think anyone was would ever argue that someone who spends $5,000 or $10,000 at Nordstrom shouldn't get some kind of a salute from Nordstrom. It stands to reason that they would. But the early access and the cordoning off in stores and the tiered days, the staggered days, and the, the cancellations of orders that came from inventory snafus because some people had already bought up everything that was available the day before, those are all sort of transactional perks. It's, you know, spend this much, get this sale on this day, get this much off. And it misses that sort of emotional trust thing that the newer loyalty programs are supposed to sort of get at. Right. I mean, customers are in a sense sort of feeling like they're only being valued based on how much money they give to Nordstrom, right? And that's... (laughs) That's sort of the the crux of the issue. Or, yeah, or or not, you know, like I have to spend $5,000. Before I matter, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Karin, were you going to add something? I really wanted this to be a big win for Nordstrom. Like, I wanted them to knock this one out of the park. And I 
I was just disappointed when they didn't. You know, I think the back end of loyalty programs could be really difficult for retailers, like figuring out what that is kind of, I understand that it can be complex, but um, what Daphne was talking about with the kind of this emotional connection that you have with a brand, it really gets to brand essence of like how people feel when they talk about your store. And I just, I wanted, I wanted them to have a big win. So I'm curious what happens as they go into the holiday season, how people react to it. Yeah. And if their customers are still sort of willing to give them another chance or if they're going to be a little salty about it and (laughs) shop at some of their competitors or something. I have to say I have confidence in Nordstrom to be able to recover, mostly because I think they do maintain a pretty close relationship. They're proud of it, of the relationship they have with their customers. So I have a feeling they're going to take the note. They'll patch things up, yeah. All right, well, thanks for chatting it through, guys. I think that's all we got this week. So um, see you next time. Bye.